Now, uh, before I get into today's message, I want to share with you an update. Um, you remember on August 8th, there was an immigration raid at the Tomato Greenhouse in O'Neill, Nebraska. Uh, and since then, uh, none of the illegal immigrants have been able to work. Uh, they've, been, they've been told to stay put and wait for their court dates. Uh, this fall, some of them have been to work, and many are still waiting. The United Methodist Church in O'Neill has a pantry there, like we do, and uh, after the raid, there, the, the pantry just exploded with need. I spoke with their pastor, Brian Loy, here a couple days ago, and he said that they are now serving about 300 people a month, which is about the same number that we serve from our pantry. Uh, ever since then, we have given you opportunities uh, to respond if you wanted to and supply their uh, pantry with food and personal items, and many of you have responded. And I just want to reaffirm that this is not about politics. It's not about policy. We saw people in need down the road, and a lot of us just figured Jesus was saying, go do something about it. Uh, according to an article in the World Herald uh, back in October by Paul Hamill, one of the women uh, arrested in the raid was uh, by the name of Flor Gonzalez de Paz, uh, a native of Guatemala. Uh, and when ICE came in, she sent a quick text message to her 17-year-old daughter, Stephanie. Steph, I love you. Take care of your brothers. Stephanie Gonzalez was, at the time, practicing with the O'Neill High School golf team when she received her mom's text. And suddenly, she became mom to her younger brothers, ages seven and one. And she quit that day. She quit the team to care for them. Flor's case is different than most because she was deported before, back in 2004 when she lived in Grand Island and worked at a meatpacking plant. Uh, Re-entry after deportation is a potential felony with, uh, in worst case, two years of uh, prison, $250,000 fines, and automatic deportation. Instead, uh, uh, instead of getting to go home after she was arrested like the others, Floor has been held in jail all this time in Wilbur, Nebraska. Stephanie moved with her brothers uh, to live with relatives in Grand Island, uh, where that's where Stephanie was born. And at the end of September, uh, her best friend's family from O'Neill invited her to come and live with them while uh, she was waiting for her mom's court date. Stephanie has been in school in O'Neill since third grade, uh, looking, and she's now looking forward to her graduation from there in May. She's a National Honor Society student with a 3.75 GPA. After high school, she wants to pursue a degree in nursing. According to the article, while first-time offenders had the possibility of getting to stay in the U.S., it appeared certain that Floor would be deported. Last Sunday, last Sunday, Stephanie was in church at O'Neill United Methodist where she has begun attending. And with tears, 
she asked the congregation to pray for her and her mom whose court date was in a few days. And so Pastor Brian led the people and prayed. Floor was in court in Omaha uh, this past week, represented by an attorney who knew very little of her case. Um, then, uh, to everyone's surprise, there in the courtroom, the judge pulled out that October 12th article from the World Herald about Stephanie. He told the counsel for the government that they had two weeks to present a case of why Flora should not be released to go return to O'Neill and to her children. The government declined to present that case. So the judge ruled that Floor would be released immediately and that she would be eligible for a work permit. Now, it'll be likely be several months before she gets that permit because the system, you know, it works slowly. But today she is back in O'Neill. Today, she is worshiping with her daughter and her two sons at the O'Neill United Methodist Church, rejoicing in the Lord for her release. Pastor Brian told me that, that Floor will have to keep up, continue with all her immigration paperwork, but as long as she does that, she gets to stay. To me, this, this story is better than any Christmas movie I've ever seen. Did she break the law? Yeah. Was she desperate to make a better life for her kids? Yeah. Was she willing to face the risks and the consequences? Yeah. Were people praying for her to be reunited with her children? Yeah. Are the sisters and brothers in Christ in O'Neill United Methodist Church this morning giving glory to God for this Christmas miracle? Yeah. So I thought, let's, let's pray and give glory to God with them, shall we? Let's pray. Our sovereign God, our kind Father, we thank you that you have reunited this family. You have stirred the heart of a judge to rule with reason and compassion. We are all lawbreakers. We are all sinners. And we rejoice in your mercy. We rejoice in your salvation shown to us in Christ. We give you glory for the grace you have shown to this family, reuniting them just in time for Christmas. In the name of Jesus, who reigns on the throne forever. Amen. I also wanted to follow up with you about uh, something I shared last Sunday, and if you weren't here, I'll kind of give the recap. Um, two weeks ago today, the Chinese government arrested Pastor Wang Yi and his wife and a hundred others from the Early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu, China. A few days ago, I read an article, uh, an online article from Christianity Today, and I learned that this is part of a bigger government crackdown on churches in China that refuse to uh, register and refuse to promote government propaganda. The government has shut down some of the most prominent of these unregistered churches. 
attempting to dampen their influence leading up to Christmas. Last Sunday, the Early Rain Church building was locked up and guarded by police. Still, a few of them, 50 to 60 Christ followers, gathered in a park nearby to sing and pray. And in unison, they, they affirmed their faith. Here's what they said. What is our only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Officials saw what they were doing. They came in, they broke up their worship, and arrested the people. Of the hundred arrested two weeks ago, at least ten remain in custody. Those who have been released report being shackled, starved, and tortured while in detention. The article also shared the prayer of someone from the Early Rain Church. Here it is. Lord, look at the injustice done against your children. This country is trampling on the dignity of your children, but these children are the apple of your eye. You will heal these wounds with your loving hands and teach us in the midst of this suffering the love of God and the endurance of Christ. Lord, come quickly. Let's pray for them now, shall we? Lord Jesus, when rulers persecute your people, they are also persecuting you. In the face of their violence and threats, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Let the faithfulness of our sisters and brothers in China be assigned to their neighbors that you are Lord of all that your kingdom ranks above all earthly governments. Fill them constantly with your Holy Spirit and perform signs and wonders through your holy name. Amen. Okay, ready for a sermon now? Okay. Some of you already know this about me, uh, but I think it's worth saying again. Years ago, I quit using the B word. B-U-S-Y. I refuse to say that I'm busy. It's like, you know, because a lot of times I used to say it kind of like a badge of honor, right? So I said, I got to quit saying it. You know, like I'm, I, I don't want to be proud of how busy I am. And, and if, because if I say that I'm so busy, it's like I'm defining myself by the pace of my life and not the content of my life. Now, I wouldn't normally share this with you, but I'm going to today just to illustrate. I was looking on my calendar coming up uh, after, after January 1st, and there's a day on my calendar that already is scheduled with nine meetings or appointments from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. And uh, I, I'm glad that not every day is like that, but I, but I want to tell you, I'm looking forward to that day. Uh, it is filled with good things. It'll be a great day. I'll be tired when I get home, but it's a good, it'll be a good tired. And I refuse to poison it by telling myself and telling everybody else how busy I am. 
Sometimes you do get too much going on. That's, that, that happens. And, and do what you can to change it. Do what you can to kind of unravel things a little bit. Uh, but don't live under a cloud of complaining or celebrating how busy you are. If, you see, if I define my life uh, uh, about being busy then I'm saying that my life is just scattered, it's, it's confused, that I'm constantly harried and hurried. If I keep telling myself I'm busy, then my life is defined by the many, many things in it. But I don't want my life to be defined by the many. I want my life to be defined by the one. I want my life to be defined by one thing. It's like the word pure. Have you ever thought about that word pure? The word pure means that it is one thing. If something is pure water, then it's all H2O and nothing but H2O. If it's pure gold, then it is, it is free from impurities. Because when something is pure, it is one thing. Now, there are many things in life, but I don't want to be defined by the many. I want to be defined by the one. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew's uh, Good News About Jesus, uh, chapter 6, verse 33. That's our theme verse for the day. And uh, it, it comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if, you're, if you wish you had a Bible to read at home, uh, we would like to grant your wish today. So just take that pew Bible home. We'd love for you to have it. Merry Christmas. Uh, in this passage, you see Jesus has been talking about worry and, and how many things that we worry about. I mean, what if I lose my job? Am I going to run out of money? Will I have enough for food and clothing and shelter? Well, what if I outlive my retirement? Will I have enough to survive? Jesus says, don't let your life be defined by worrying about the many. Instead, Focus on the one. You find Matthew 6, 33? Okay. Let's all read it aloud together, shall we? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first. By definition, there can only be one thing that we seek first. That priority. The priority that will shape all the lesser priorities. Now, what does it mean to seek, it says, his kingdom and his righteousness? Jesus is the living demonstration of God's kingdom. Jesus is the living embodiment of God's righteousness. So, so seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness means living a life that is focused on Christ. Um, all this month, we've been, we've been seeing how God resets our lives. Reset, that's our series this month. And when you're reset, you are no longer defined by the many, you are defined by the one. And here's the best way that I could find to say it. Reset happens when our many things are infused with a single priority, life focused on Jesus. Will you say it with me? Reset happens when our many things are infused with a single priority, life focused on Jesus. Um, 
Christian author Dave Runyon and his wife Lauren have four kids. And when he was co-writing his book, The Art of Neighboring, uh, their oldest son, Ethan, was nine years old. Uh, now, Ethan loves baseball. And his parents love baseball. Uh, Dave and, and Lauren were, were athletes themselves. Dave used to, coach a high he used to coach high school baseball. They understand the determination, passion, and effort it takes to succeed in sports. Ethan has a gift. He has natural hand-eye coordination. He, he appears to have athletic potential. His parents know that if Ethan is going to develop his potential, he needs lots and lots and lots of repetition. Lots of practices, lots of games. Dave says where we live, there is a high-level program that requires kids to practice three times a week and play 40-plus games per year for nine-year-olds. And for better or worse, they said Ethan is extremely competitive. If given the option, he would surely choose to play as much as humanly possible. Dave says, but Lauren and I knew that if we went that route, our schedules would revolve around baseball six months a year, leaving little room for anything else. Dave and Lauren are followers of Jesus. They seek first a life focused on Him. They want to represent Christ in their neighborhood. So they signed Ethan up for a rec league with eight games per year. To some of you, that sounds like parental heresy. You're limiting your child's potential! And they really wrestled with this decision. It wasn't easy, but they have peace about it. Dave says, basically the decision boiled down to the need for us to figure out what was more important and actually live by that decision. Was our son's possible athletic career most important? Or was it more important for our family to live a non-frenzied pace of life? Reset happens when our many things are infused with a single priority, life focused on Jesus. I, I have only run one race in my life. I'm not really an athletic person. Uh, it'll be 15 years uh, ago since I, I ran a half marathon, 13.1 miles. Uh, I I, I was, do you think that I should, should run another one this spring, kind of the 15th anniversary of that one? No way. I don't, I don't think so anyway. I still keep my medal in my drawer at my nightstand. It says I finished. Yeah. When you run 13.1 miles, you don't carry anything that will weigh you down. I mean, there's no way you, you, you carry water with you. I mean, you grab it on the way. They've got stations. You grab a bottle on the way, and you drink while you're going, and you keep going. Uh, and, and, and it was a cool morning, so I wanted to wear enough clothes to keep me warm, but of course not too warm. But I, I didn't want to wear anything that would kind of bind me up, you know, or 
or flop around or get in the way. I, I wanted to run with my eye on the prize to, to, to cross the finish line. Running a race is a, is a metaphor that we find in the Bible from time to time. Hebrews 12 says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And say the rest with me, will you? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's our focus. That's our one thing. Now, I know that so many of you, you've got so many things going on. So many responsibilities, so many opportunities, so many challenges, so many uh, hardships. But they all come together in a unified whole when they are infused with a single priority. And this priority, it, it gets infused into your sexual decisions. It gets infused into your financial decisions. It gets infused into your entertainment decisions. Reset happens when our many things are infused with a single priority, life focused on Jesus. You know, I find that it's easy when I'm in worship to, uh, when I'm singing the songs, that I'm only half aware of what I'm singing. Does that ever happen to you? But once in a while, by the Holy Spirit, the lyrics pierce your heart. That happened to me one time when we were singing a song uh, called Every Day by Lincoln Brewster. The chorus says, Every day it's you I live for. Every day I'll follow after you. Every day I'll walk with you, my Lord. And on that day, it's like the Holy Spirit poked my heart and said, the song is true in your life, Steve. And I felt this, uh, this wave of emotion come over me and, and tears come to my eyes. And, and I thought, I really do live for the Lord every day. Not perfectly, but I... But I I live for him and I follow him and I walk with him every day. That's the reset. That's what happens when our many things are infused with that single priority. Now, this morning, you, you can listen to today's message and, uh, and, and you can walk away and it won't bother you anymore. It's not going to interrupt your life in any way. Or you can take it to heart. And you can join the ranks of those who seek first to live for Him every day. What will you do? What will you do? Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank You that You have come uh, to give life to us, to give us life in its fullness, but also in its wholeness. Lord, because we are people with so many things going on, so many opportunities, so many distractions, and we long for our lives to, be, to come together in unity and wholeness around one 
thing, this single priority. And Lord, we believe that you are that one priority. Knowing you, loving you, following you, walking with you. That's our life, Lord. We want it to be our life. Show us how to do that. Walk with us along this way. We, we, got, we have to learn how to do it, Lord, so we, we are your students. We want to keep learning so that it becomes more and more true about each one of us. And so, Lord, we offer this with great thanksgiving for this hope, for this promise. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.